Welcome to Dichotomy, a podcast made by two friends who were raised in the same hometown, but went down different college paths, leading them to vastly different fields of experience. We show about life, the world we live in, and whatever is on our minds. I'm Wyatt, and I've been trained in the arts and humanities. I am Michael, and I am in the STEM field. Originality is just undiscovered plagiarism. Joe Sniffy. We'd like to start today's episode off with a bit of a disclaimer that Wyatt and I are the slightest bit sick. The different types of sick. You have a cold, and I have this wonderful thing called moving anxiety. <laughs> yes, but either way, uh, if our voices do not sound as luscious and luxurious <laughs> as normal, <laughs> that that is why. So we apologize in advance for any uh, discrepancies in our voices. But anyway, originality is just undiscovered plagiarism. Or is it? That's the question today. <laughs> that is a question. That is the question. So this is by... Uh, Joe Sniffy okay. is the, the name of the YouTube slash Twitter personality that I heard this from. To get into the topic right away, I'm sure the idea was not originally his, but this was, the phrase was where I heard it. So this phrasing is what made me think of it. So I'll, I, I figured I'd give him the credit for it. Man, I really but, wish this podcast had a video so people could see my reaction. <laughs> people could see your, you sarcastically clapping. Your originality, Joe. Making the worst <laughs> analogy ever. But anyway... You said you... it was real original. <laughs> so you said you had a lot to say on this topic, so do you kind of want to start this off and, and steer us for the moment? Well, of course, logically, artwork. Yes, yes, right? I figured that, yes. <laughs> and, well, really in the contemporary world, we're always looking to be original kind of thing, but right. it never works out. Like, for me, going into academia, I have to be real original. Like, I get graded on my papers for originality of research. Hmm. Or a PhD program isn't going to let me in if I do the same thing. So when you say originality of research, does that mean the novelty of the topic you're researching? Or does that mean the way you go about it? Or what exactly does that mean? There's only really one way to go about research in my field, and that's, like, read books, write papers. Right. So I don't know how you could necessarily be more original. <laughs> how you can quantify that. Yeah. I guess my research has found its originality in my unorthodoxy comparisons. Since, you know, I just wrote my undergraduate thesis comparing sculpture that was made two and a half millennia ago to sculpture that was made ten years ago. Right. But... But it's so hard to do classics these days because, like, if you're going to write a paper about a statue, you're going to go and read, like, 25 essays about that statue. And you're mm -hmm. like, great, now I'm writing the 26th. Yes, now, you're, now your research is inherently derivative of all the research that you mm -hmm. did. Yeah, and I suppose in your field, doing research, which I know you don't necessarily do, but you're writing uh, code. A little bit. So you're usually probably basing your work off someone else's work. Yes, no, right? originality is dead in the STEM field. Um, as I learned this summer at my job, the first step whenever you're going and writing something is, let's go and see if someone else has already done it, so that we don't have to do that. There's this um, programming, um, not taboo, snafu i guess i don't know the exact word for it but the idea is that you want to avoid reinventing the wheel so <laughs> i mean that's in everything right you never want to reinvent the wheel yeah so if someone has already done it then you go and use it and credit them or just go on stack overflow and <laughs> grab an answer from somewhere but yeah the the value of originality in programming is 
a bit hard to find in certain places. The thing for me when I think of originality and whether or not you can truly be original, especially as time goes on, is the idea that there is inherently a finiteness to any creative medium. There's only so much you can do. The main example I see this, or that I've seen this before, is in music. So there, there is, in music theory, let me um, back up a bit. I'm not a music theorist. I play music. I'm interested in music, but a lot of the theory escapes me anyway. Sadly, you are not a music theorist, <laughs> since you will not make us an intro and an outro. <laughs> That's fine. So there is a finite range of notes and such that sound pleasant to our ears or that we can even hear for right, that matter right physical frequencies that you can and can't hear and also there is a there's just a limited amount of rhythms and melodies and harmonies and such that you can actually do oh god i can't remember the name of the website the idea is that you can enter in any song you can think of and if it has it in this database it will go and find you five other songs that sound very similar to it or have like the same chord progression if you've ever heard uh, the axis of awesome i think it's just called four chords medley but it's 60 it's some crazy number of songs that all use the exact same chord progression <laughs> so you have uh, self-esteem by the offspring you have uh, don't stop believing by journey you have um country roads i don't know if that's the actual title John of the Denver, song. yeah i don't know country roads take me home yeah whatever the actual title is but it's just it's just a ton of songs that all have the exact same chord progression so to me, the the idea of originality is just inherently limited by the finiteness of the space in which to explore creative medium. So that brings me up to the next question of, did originality ever exist in the first place? <laughs> okay. Uh, why why would you, big topics? Yeah, uh, wow. Do you want okay. me to explain? Absolutely, please. Okay. Um, you, I feel like we had, we had a scope... And then you just took it and expanded it like crazy. So, okay. Of course. Let's I, go. I, I work with the ancient stuff. We got to talk about ancient stuff. That's right, just right. how it works. Actually, I really loved it. At work the other morning at like 10.30 a.m., we were having this passionate conversation about like very heavy topics that I brought up. And everyone was like, it's 10.30 and we're talking about the progression <laughs> of culture and white homogeny, which mm. is what we're about to talk about. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, so the way that this conversation has been going so far is saying that pretty much all of time is leading up to this time, which, yes, we experience time linearly. But that also would state that, say, Michelangelo in the 1500s would be original, or like Augustus in 14 was original, or mm-hmm. Herodotus in the 5th century BCE was original. But there's always something before until the beginning of time itself. Right. Well, human history itself. Yeah. But even then, things just fill up really, really, really quickly. There's only three primary colors. There's only so many notes. Right, right. So it brings you to the com- comment, did originality ever truly exist? Perhaps 50,000 years ago in Jericho, but... Oh man, this is so weird. In modern times, as in the past 4,000 years, <laughs> questionable. Very modern. Because, yeah. right, the Greeks just copied the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were either the first peoples to do this, or they copied it from the Hittites, or the Mesopotamians, or 
the people who were there before them that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And even at Jericho, which is the first like human settlement, we see like these painted wax skulls that we also find in caves. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's like you can always find something older. Yeah. So that brings to many, many, many more questions, <laughs> such as how much of originality in ancient times and even in modern times is gone because of like human cognizance cog cognizance yes <laughs> within itself right because like we talk about like embedded memories or genetic memories how many of those alter how we how originality is influenced via personal expression i think i'm gonna need you to run that one by me i again. need to slow down for half a minute okay okay so in elephants and butterflies we okay. talk about genetic memory sure so but for them we mean it very literally as in like migration patterns and where to find water is built into their genetic code. Mm-hmm. So to what extent with humans in our cognizance are some forms of ingrained creativity memory. ingrained? Okay. So instead of memory, creativity. Mm-hmm. And how much of that creativity is unoriginal because that's just how humans have evolved to at this point. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm very off topic. <laughs> I mean, I'd argue that's as much on topic as anything else we've been talking about. Yeah. I guess another question is, related to your, did originality ever exist, it'd be good to define how we think of being original. Because you could say there could be some argument that unless you were the first person to ever do it, then it is not original versus whether it's influenced from many, many other things but they've never necessarily been combined or you you put some sort of in, new spin on it, maybe that is what is considered original. Uh, it's a bit of a nebulous word that many people use differently. So going back to perhaps more your world, mm-hmm. science, we do talk about original research a lot as in, like, the Genome Project. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's based off Mendel's work, but loosely, right? Just right. in the fact that he discovered what genes are. Mm-hmm. Also, my brain just went to blue genes instead of, like, genetic <laughs> code, so... But the Genome Project was, like, fairly original. Right. And they were the first person people to do anything like that, but it's not purely original work. Mm-hmm. So do we, in turn, define originality as creative construction of prior influences? <laughs> that was a lot of you're, buzzwords. you original by how you're unoriginal mm-hmm. like you're the okay. first person to reference this thing in this one way or the you're the first person to use this so one it's, thing it's not about other whether thing. or not your ideas are exclusively your own it's about what you do with the inherent derivativeness mm-hmm. that you have it's what you do with these ideas that aren't your own mm-hmm. my my logical side wants to go to if you were not the first just for the sake of having a clean definition of originality is that if you weren't the first one to do it, if it is based off of anything, then that just by its by definition should not be original. But that's kind of defeats... Well, that's not defeating the purpose exactly, but that's a very limited definition of original and isn't really fun to work with or very practical. It also just, like, kills the joy of human existence a little bit. Like, right, we all want to be original. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I, I didn't. I didn't know what I what horrors I had committed. Damn. <laughs> Sorry, that was a call out. Right. 
But yeah, no, I, I agree. If you have that strict of a definition of original, then just by virtue of having this world having existed this long and being part of this world in this time as opposed to 50,000 years ago, you're fucked. You have no <laughs> possibility of being original. So, but that's, I mean, in my mind, that's a possible inevitability because of the point I mentioned earlier about the finiteness of creative space. Is there going to be some point in the, the near future, the far future, however long it takes, where creative space has been completely explored? That's, that's That seems like something that you might have something on. You gotta be more positive, dude. <laughs> um, it cannot be finite if there are things being created. Okay. Right? So we think of originality now like you're using this thing in a cool, hip new way, like weird upcycling, but of creative ideas. Right, right. So every time something is made, there's another object in that pile. Mm-hmm. So, so later now, now you reference another, something. Yeah. There's a new object to draw reference from. Um, which is a big thing with contemporary art uh, starting probably, oh God, I don't know, the 70s. It's reuse and how you reuse it. Mm-hmm. Um, something that comes to mind is Carl Walker's Silhouette series, which I know means nothing to you. Of course. <laughs> but um, museums typically have white walls. Right. Kara Walker is an African-American artist who takes black silhouettes, and um, they're usually vulgar, explicit, lots about rape and uh, slavery and all of that fun stuff. Yep. And yep. she just carves these huge silhouette scenes and pastes them right on a white super super white uh, museum wall and that in turn is referencing lorna simpson i think it's lorna simpson oh gosh lorna simpson carrie may weems took silhouettes of the presidents mm-hmm. and then inserted images of herself into them which is in turn referencing the presidential silhouettes which brings us to the original use of silhouettes care to guess I don't even remotely know where to start. Profiles of slaves. It oh. was a cheap way to create a portrait of a slave that's probably recognizable enough that you could put it on a wanted poster. Wow. But, like, how do we get, like, the presidential presidential silhouettes from the slave silhouettes turned into an art form to turn into another art form? <laughs> and, like, obviously, Kara Walker's work directly referenced the original, but there's, like... Mm-hmm whole other layers of context in there yeah but now people are starting to reference carl walker (laughs) so there's a new reference point there Mm -hmm. or right when someone would paint say oh you paint like michelangelo who in turn painted like leonardo who in turn painted like yato who was painting the bible who so like uh, and then eventually there's going to be someone that's painting like you so, oh, I hope not. <laughs> well, not you specifically, but the you yeah, is yeah, an yeah. example that paints yeah, yeah, like Michael. Yeah. So it's always continuous. Mm-hmm. So in that case, in that case, originality is infinite rather than finite because anytime anything is created, you've now expanded the space with which you can't explore. That's interesting. This might be just a sort of a brief side tangent, but when you mentioned derivative work being original, it reminded me of to take it back to music for a second. Whether or not covers. Are could be considered original because on the one hand it is clearly you are taking someone else's work well not okay not taking I'm going to try to use some better verbiage here you are inspired by someone else's work or at the very least 
you're using their work as a platform directly replicating their work and altering it with your own perceptions and creativity yes so (laughs) you could see that argument either way on the one hand it's clearly unoriginal because you did not create the melody or the the lyrics or the original idea but on the other hand this is inherently original to you because it's your voice and it's your performance yeah so which weirdly also brings up like even if it's the same chords like chord progression every single time is it because it's played on like a different guitar like slightly different timing is it different okay but that's not important that's a the granularity of what you consider original or not is why is widely debated. And I think that whole question of our covers, or just any sort of very obviously referential form of media, whether or not that's original is something I feel like is going to be debated as long as it's still happening. Yeah, so, so. Um, I feel like I talked about this on the podcast before. Knowing me, I probably <laughs> did. The New York Times did this really excellent... Goodness, I don't even know what to call it. Story? Article? Article? Article. (laughs) Where they collected two curators and three contemporary artists and had them create a list of, like, the 25 most relevant, most important contemporary artworks. Mm -hmm. And they just defined it artwork after 1970. Very first artwork on that list was Cervant's uh, Warhol Flowers, which are a literal copy of Andy Warhol's paintings. (laughs) literal copy okay there's no difference Mm -hmm. whatsoever and is the fact that they were a copy why they were important or significant in this case yeah okay servant made her entire career out of exactly replicating artworks Mm -hmm. i can't say that i know anything beyond that nor can i say that i fully understand it but the commercialization of ideas because that's really where covers come from Mm -hmm. is the easy access to music and the easy access to replicating music right commercialism yeah capitalism (laughs) (laughs) mainly commercialism right but that's a conversation for another podcast that's that's another episode in the making so for a class i took at my final quarter we were tasked with creating a museum Mm. like modern contemporary museum and the first thing that popped into my mind is there's no such thing as originality. Creativity is dead. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Telling yeah. me to be more positive. Well, okay. you get giggles out of it, especially thinking about, like, an uh, art museum. You're supposed to be promoting originality and creativity. Right. But my entire point and emphasis behind all of that is exactly what we've been talking about. The idea of originality is limiting. And in many ways... As I briefly mentioned earlier, the linear cultural progression to the point where we're at is horribly filled with the obsession with being original and creative, which makes our generation scared to even consider ourselves creative. Right. And my biggest podium, perhaps, is the art historical narrative is inherently corrupt because we do not allow artists to be devoid of influence because inherently you're only building on what came before which perhaps like yes they were doing that but then you can only view the modern artists based on how well they're referencing older artists okay well i guess they're hmm sorry abstract (laughs) painting just came to mind okay because i guess that like was impressionism turned into abstract but abstract was pretty original (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't know how truly original it was, because can anything ever truly be devoid of influence? Yeah, that's the question there. It depends on how deep and how subconscious uh, your influences and such run. As you were mentioning earlier about the idea of genetic memory here, the, <laughs> that was the that was the animal example. What yeah, was human the, cognizance? Yeah, that. And there's also the idea that I'm sure there are people that go into their creative work with an idea in mind that don't realize where they're drawing that influence from or what they're actually being inspired by deep down. Like when you when you asked me about developing like a melody or a in- musical intro for the show, I was just trying to come up with just a little itsy bitsy melody in my head, just something like a quick little jingle. And I realized that a lot of the th- ones I was thinking of were very, very similar to songs from video games I had been playing recently or or jingles from, from YouTubers, people that I had listened mm-hmm. to. And, I, and that's not something I was trying to think of. I, was trying to, I wasn't trying to go, let me think of something that'll sound like this. I was just trying to think of, let me think of something that'll be fitting for our purposes. And inherently, subconsciously, I started drawing from things that are similar to what I was trying to do. So there is the question of, can you actually ever be truly original avoid of influence or is that just inherent to how people go about being creative yeah because you're always going to inherently be referencing something else right. and i mean whether you mean to or not which has kind of taken the joy out of life for me slightly but now <laughs> i'm just like i had like a good six months where i'm like Meh, but now i'm super excited again because it's like <gasps> this weird architecture thing is referencing this super right. obscure thing So it was like the hump of like me coming off as a pretty unaware, uneducated to like starting my education and being like, oh no, how can I ever know this much to me having an education and being like, oh cool, I know what that's referencing. But totally personal reference, you're completely right. In eighth grade, I had this desire to write a novel, which I've worked on off and on over the past few years. And it's totally just like, a spin-off rip-off of both Percy Jackson and the Olympians plus the secrets of the mortal Nicholas Flamel plus like my own life uh-huh ooh autobiography as original if you are quoting your own life is that original <laughs> depends on how far you zoom out i guess because on the one hand your life is inherently original to you i mean of course there's going to be millions of other people that have had experiences similar to yours, but you are inherently original. No one else is going to experience life the exact same way you did. Okay, so we are in the lovely era of biopics and period movies, mm-hmm. which, fantastic. Like, ugh, I love them <laughs> so much. I just watched the trailer for the It's a Beautiful Life in the Neighborhood, which mm-hmm. is a it's a biopic about Mr. Rogers as okay. a Mr. Rogers neighborhood, which I never watched as a child. Yeah, but like, but... it's still you know who he is. Yes, it's like yes. a thing, and it's played. He's played by Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Are we too young for Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Movie? Okay, that was yeah, the thing. That's like five, ten years older than okay, us. I think that's what I figured. But so there's never been a movie made about his life before, mm-hmm. so it's original. But it's about it's about his, his life. life. It's, Right. It's a Ooh. biography oh, that has been written and an existed. distinction. Because, yeah, inherently it's, his life is going to be original because it's exclusive to him. But the idea of taking the experiences of someone else and then making it uh, an art out of that is something that has been done a million bazillion yeah. times before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. And then I'm sure they're going to do great things where they like 
reference other things within it, kind of. Um, right. So I just saw a play on Saturday, Tenth Muse, great play. It was um, commissioned by the Oregon Ashland Shakespeare mm-hmm. Festival, and then the second time it's been played it was in Davis. Mm-hmm. And it was the life of this nun in New Spain, and it was like a, okay, what if she had a niece that lived in the same nunnery? So it directly referenced the woman's life, but she was, like, not the character in it. So it was a fictional family member in a fictional set of circumstances, which never actually happened historically, Mm -hmm. but it's referencing her life. Based on an actual Yeah, and then they did great things, like, she's called the Tenth Muse, but she was also called the Mexican Phoenix, and her niece cries out, like, she is the phoenix that will rise from the ashes, which, reading the Wikipedia page after seeing the play and being like, oh my god, what a freaking great reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, it's so original. It is an original play that's, like, has no direct literary background, mm-hmm. but it has a, like, biographical historical background. Mm-hmm. Real quick, I want to touch back on what you mentioned about everything building off of the previous things, therefore it's being inherently original. I think that's a very optimistic and good way to look That's a good way to look at it, I would say. That certainly makes creation more interesting. I mean, that's basically what we're doing now. How many podcasts of two people just talking about whatever the hell comes to mind do you think there are out on the internet right now? You know, Good Mythical Morning yeah, is pretty much what it is. I mean, that, that may be a subconscious influence because i mean we certainly both enjoyed watching that back in high school i don't actually listen to any just like talk show podcasts the closest thing is planet money by npr mm-hmm. but i mean that's the, yeah i mean there's so many podcasts yeah i don't know i i think the closest thing i listen to that's as far as two people just talking although it's usually more in an interview format is the art of manliness <laughs> but i also listen to um oh god what is it called kind of funny reviews which is literally just like a group of guys just talking about movies that they watched and shooting the shit. And that's that kind of like casual environment that I think is mm-hmm. what I like listening to and what I'm kind of going for with this. So I didn't even, and I didn't even really think about that until we've mentioned it now. I mean, I certainly was aware that those were things that I liked, but I'd never, I didn't necessarily fully realize that, oh, this is kind of what I want to go for. This is what I want to be. And I mean, I would argue that the value in what we're doing to a certain extent, is that it is us doing this. It is not anyone else. Because, I mean... It's original because it's our personalities, our lived experiences, our right. education that's then feeding into... Right. And I think... We're talking about. Yeah, I think ultimately, the appeal, at least for now, is that it is us. And I think down the road, that might be still be the appeal, is that it's not necessarily what we're talking about. It's that... We're just two it's weird, weird goobers yep. talking to a microphone in a small room. <laughs> just hanging out, talking about life. Whatever. And originality. And whatever is on our mind. Um, so speaking about life, originality, and whatever is on our mind, mm-hmm. um, you think about how weird it is that you reference, or like, like, right, we were talking about how leading our lives is inherently original because it's your life, your lived experience. Right. But how many times do you reference something as in looking at a role model because right we're playing fantasy flight edge of the empire right. star wars role-playing right. game holy mackerel those are too many <laughs> how, words how many, how many how long is that title <laughs> <laughs> it's way too long of a ffg eotesw ttrpg okay yeah i love it 
But so I wanted to play this because I started listening to a podcast, Silhouette Zero, and then another podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way, and then another podcast, which is all Game Master advice. Mm-hmm. So when we're playing that game, I am inherently referencing those podcasts and those people. But then also it's Star Wars, so we're referencing Star Wars, so I'm referencing the movies, and I'm referencing how George Lucas, like, did cinema... (sighs) (laughs) The thing you just mentioned about role models, that made me think some of your lived experience is derivative, because based on the people that you look up to, the things that you want to do, what you aspire to be, or the hobbies you get into because of other people. Like, I cannot tell you how many hobbies my sister has picked up because yeah. I'm her big brother. She got into Pokemon because of me. She got into probably music because of me. I actually don't know about that one as much. But video games like Dungeons and Dragons, all that kind of thing. And I I got into computers, I would argue, because of my dad. I got into piano and tennis because my mom signed me up for that. So that's not that might not be as much a role model per se, but Yeah, like Rachel is now Rachel liked video games in high school, but moving to college and meeting me, she watches Let's Plays almost as often as I do, and like now she's interested in building a new computer because I was interested in building her a new computer. So Mm -hmm. it's all yeah. I mean, so your your lived experience might not be as original as you think. Is all of it derivative though? (sighs) Nature versus nurture. Yeah. Original versus derivative. Mm -hmm. On that note. (laughs) You, you've just had your minds blown and your perspectives widened. <laughs> Go be original in your own way. Yep. Be creative. Combine your prior influences. Be derivative. Be yourself. Put your own spin on things. Just go Just go do. Just go create. Do you. <laughs> also, screw the canon while fully embracing the canon. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, I know yeah, sorry, that's sorry, not going to mean anything for you, but that will mean you, suffer of other people. I, I thought I was thinking the wrong canon. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway. Canon. <laughs> on that note, I am Michael. I have been Wyatt and will most likely continue to be Wyatt. We'll to steal Michael Slender. Of course, of course. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Dichotomy. Our logo is made by Amber Utterback underscore art on Instagram, and the music is Antidepressor by Friendzoned, used with a Creative Commons license. Please like and subscribe our podcast, and feel free to leave a comment about anything you're thinking about. We're talking about lots of heavy topics, and would love to expand our conversation. Thank you. Hello, listener, and welcome back to another footnote. I have two things for you today. First of all, originality. Somehow, despite our 30-minute conversation, I missed the entire fact that anything you learn, you probably learn from someone. Inherently, skills are taught by a master to an apprentice, so no such thing as originality or creativity. But the apprentice always goes on to make new things. Hence, originality and creativity. Secondly, we have been trying to upload an episode a week for the past few weeks, but that schedule is no longer going to work. Uh, We hope to get back to it soon, but we're taking a quick hiatus as both Michael and I are about to resume college, and I just moved across the country to Florida. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your patience.